This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hey, this is Greg Rucka. I'm the writer of Veil and Lazarus and other things. And you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my esteemed pleasure to welcome you to episode 157 of THN, where we are talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, April 9th, because folks, comics are a disease and we are the cure. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not feverishly studying the Ultimate Warriors Hall of Fame speech to further my ex-wrestler murder conspiracy blog, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not swearing off Colt 45 forever after Billy D. Williams' poor showing on Dancing with the Stars, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of the upcoming hit webcomic series, the Untold Tales of the Two-Headed Nerd. Word is it's going to be done this weekend. <laughs> Son of a bitch. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Iron Fist, The Living Weapon, number one, and Shudder, number one. After that, we'll review ten more of this week's new comics faster than Quicksilver can outrun Quicksilver during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Machine Man has written a little script that may have some Yahoo users a little upset, but he did get us a sneak peek at next week's comics, and then it's time once again to prove how freaking smart we are when we play Ask a Nerd. But before we throw our shoes at CBS for stealing our Colbert show, let's take a moment to tell David Letterman thank you for more than 30 years of top 10 lists and stupid pet tricks, but more importantly, thank you for introducing the world to Chris Elliott. And Larry Bud Melman. And Larry Bud Melman. I loved Larry Bud Melman. Hello, David! <laughs> and then we can talk about this week's big news. We got big news! Yesterday, online retail giant Amazon announced that they have acquired Comixology. Never heard of either of them. <laughs> Comixology, of course, is the premier digital comic service with a selection of nearly 50,000 comics oh, for sale. That Comixology, sorry. Yeah. Company CEO David Steinberger confirmed the news in a post on the Comixology site saying that Comixology will retain its identity as a subsidiary of Amazon. The terms of the deal have not been disclosed. This is brand new news, man. Brand new. Who knows what's going to happen? Hot off the digital presses. Matt Baum, do you think this could lead to a potential surge in comic readership? And should brick and mortar stores be worried? They should just shut the doors now. Shackle them. Just board up the windows. It's all over, guys. No, this is good news. This is real good news because Amazon recognizes that there's money to be made in digital comics. Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, is an insanely smart guy and very good with his money. And he would not be throwing money at Comixology, if he didn't think that there was promise there for even more readership. And what we have seen up to this point is that what's good for digital comics seems to be good for print comics as well. So no, I don't think this has anyone in the brick and mortar comic book store business has anything to worry about. I think this is just really solid good news. You know, I will say that I had a little bit of a moment of fretting about it yesterday. Not My initial thought was, oh, hey, good. I thought at first, yeah, this is great news. You know, Amazon is this massive, has this massive reach and, and they can put comics in the faces of millions and millions of people. But then, you know, I started to get, as a retailer, I started to get a little worried about it because Amazon also has, for uh, brick and mortar stores at least, has the downside of being the place that people go if they want to get sh- really cheap. Yeah. That kind of makes it hard. I mean, it's impossible to compete with. I don't see them toying with the price of digital comics too much, but honestly, I do think that digital comics are too expensive. I agree. I agree. But Amazon has proven that they don't really need to worry about selling things it's true. at a huge profit. It's true. But again, I go back to the numbers, which speak for themselves. The more we see a rise in digital comics, the more we've seen a rise in print sale comics as well. Sure. And, you know, I'm not down on the idea. It's hard to see what the future will hold. After I wrote this news and before we came over to record today, uh, Comics Pro, which is the trade organization for direct market retailers, Mm -hmm. released a statement that said, quote, They're solid bros over there at Comics Pro. Yeah. 
There's always a concern when a huge corporation that shows little need to turn a profit tries to convert a niche market into a commodity. I believe it's niche. Sure. <laughs> Fortunately, there is a tactile element to comics that no deep discounting web entity will ever be able to replicate. So as long as there continues to be fans for the real thing, there will be comics and comic book stores. And I that's kind of where I fall. I couldn't have said that better. I think they're absolutely right. So I guess where I fall bottom line is that if Amazon can turn people on to comics, expose them to comics, right. that's, that's what we need. And that leads people to seek out more then let us do our job. Well, and let's be honest, Amazon is already kicking brick and mortar stores in the pants by selling trade paperbacks and hardcovers for 40% off every friggin' day. That's why it's worrisome. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I just don't think that this is going to affect anything any further than they already have, personally. Because you're not selling digital comics. I mean, come on. No, it's true. I think the big fear in the back of every retailer's mind is that if given the opportunity and a big enough discount that even print faithful customers will abandon print for digital. Sure. And I'm not seeing that as a I'm not seeing no. that as a I mean trend. The, the numbers haven't shown that. So Right. So you know, the sky you can scream the sky is falling all you want and sure all and no retailers one is saying it. it. No it's one is saying it. It's not just comic retailers, but every retailer does it. Right. But and I no, don't think this is anything to worry about. And no one is saying that the sky is falling. It's just a it's something that it will definitely cause huge waves somehow, yeah. and it will be interesting to see what happens. But anything that brings more people into comics is a good thing, and that's something we've always said on the Two Editor. Right on. In Hollywood news, FBP, the Vertigo series by Simon Oliver and Robbie Rodriguez, formerly known as Collider, has been optioned for a film less than a year after its debut. FBP follows the Federal Bureau of Physics, a government organization dedicated to investigating the world's super science disturbances. Justin Marks, screenwriter of Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Yeah! I believe we both give that two big toots up, as I yeah, recall. Yeah, two toots way up. He's adapting a treatment written by Oliver, and David Goyer is set to produce the film. Shocking nobody. Joe, <laughs> are you happy to see non-superhero comic properties make the jump to the big screen? Yeah, you know, people talk about how some people jerks like to talk about how too many comic book movies. When's the bubble going to burst? Yeah. And that's like saying that there are too many comedies. It's like every review that you read too. like, oh, great. Another comic book movie. Right. Give me a break. And then they're like, I loved it. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like comic book is a genre and right. it's not. Comics right. are a medium, not a you genre. You could say superhero. Superheroes. Yes, absolutely. Sure. But I love it when. Uh, when little stuff like even though I I I'm, I know it was terrible, R.I.P.D. got made into a film. You know what? It I wasn't terrible. I f loved the R.I.P.D. comic, and I watched the movie. The movie was a lot of fun. It oh, wasn't bad. Yeah, awesome. Wasn't bad at all. But I love it when stuff like that, when the smaller stuff that's kind of off the beaten path gets made into into films. Yeah, I'm stuff with you. Stuff like a history of violence or a road to perdition. Totally with you. And I'll tell you what, if anything, the only downfall here would be I would rather see something like FBP as a TV series because there's so much they can do with it. Yeah, for sure. Rather than a movie. But great. Good but for I think these it's guys. a great story for a movie, too. It's a kick-ass comic book. It's got fantastic art. Not enough people are reading it. I hope this raises some awareness for the book mm -hmm. and keeps it around for another few years. Now, regarding the, the Legend of Chun-Li guy right in the screenplay, you know what? He's just the scribe. He's adapting it from Oliver's story. I must so, not take anything away from the guy either. Maybe this one was the last time you wrote a screenplay. The exactly. And right. maybe the Legend of Chun-Li was the first thing that crossed dude's desk. They said, take a shot at it, kid. And he did everything he could. Turns out it sucked. Anyway, not as sure. maybe not his fault. Everybody's written some, you know, crap in their life. Give me a break. Well, and I think we know from our m many talks about DC Comics that not everything that's necessarily written is what right. people end up seeing. Right. So he may have done his best, like you said. Yeah. And it's not his fault that it was a terrible movie. People got to work. Right. And I'm not going to begrudge the guy for, Paycheck's for a paycheck, man. Making, some, making some cash. Yeah. You want me to write the Zangief movie? I'm on board, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of tired of David Goyer being in every single stinking Warner Brothers DC movie. Well, I think he's the only guy they have, which is He too must bad. be the only employee he's of one Warner Brothers. Overworked son of a bitch, I'll tell you that much. 
But hardest working man in Hollywood, David Goyer. It's not. It's not that David Goyer is not responsible for some very good movies. It's all, but he's also responsible for some very bad movies. Like Blade Three, like Man of Steel. <laughs> Finally, Archie Comics has gained a reputation for taking risks in recent years, and they're at it again. This week, the publisher announced their plans to kill beloved comic icon Archie Andrews this July in the pages of Life with Archie, number 36. The Life with Archie series follows two parallel future timelines in which Archie married either Betty or Veronica. Archie CEO John Goldwater revealed that the character will die in both timelines, Sacrificing his life for that of a friend, Goldwater called the story a natural conclusion for the series that has shown these perpetual teens in a new light as they face adulthood. The story flashes forward one year with issue 37, which focuses on how Archie's friends have coped with his death. Goldwater hopes that the story shows, quote, how heroic a normal guy like Archie can be and how important it is to realize that. Now, Matt Baum, I can't believe I'm saying this, but... I'm kind of looking forward to reading it. Okay. Here's why Archie, and we say that we've said this multiple times, but here's why Archie is the ballsiest and possibly best comic book publisher out there right now. I hate Archie comics. I don't give a crap about Archie, Riverdale, any of that feel good crap. They are now getting money out of my pocket monthly for the afterlife Afterlife, with Archie comic. And guess what? I'm picking this one up too. Yeah. Everybody has to pick this up to see how Archie gets killed. Is it sensationalism? Sure. But nobody else has the balls to do this. Right. I am so completely impressed with Archie. Yeah, and I know that, you know, death in comics, quote unquote, is viewed as kind of a gimmick these days. But Archie will be the first ones to tell you that, look, Archie is still around. Right. The teenage Archie is still a thing. Well, and this series he is, will never go away. This series is ending. Imagine if, if you know, the death of Superman ended with action comics ending right <laughs> yes. like done uh, this is archie comics just saying look we've been following a potential future right version of this character through his life and how his life could possibly be which in and, and of now, itself really cool they're doing what they've done in so many other books before yeah. like the kevin keller stuff yeah i think it's awesome and archie's not uh, archie comics the the entity is not saying, this is it, Archie's dead forever, Chromium covers. Right, right, right. You know, instead, it's like a celebration of this character and and what he means. If anything, they're killing him the right way. Yeah, I am very impressed with them. And though I don't read Archie monthly, I'll confess that I thought that half the time Archie was reprints anyway. I think the digests are all reprints. The digests, I believe Mostly reprints, for sure. The monthly comics, man, Thumbs up to this company. Totally impressed. And I will tell you that I am very impressed specifically with Alex Segura, their marketing guy, who was- uh, from Marvel, right? He was a DC guy. Oh, DC. I think he's bounced around. Yeah, I think he worked at Marvel But he was at Archie for a while and then went to DC and then went back to Archie. I think that he is helping them- Breathe a breath of fresh air into into their characters I think he's and a, making waves. He's a mad genius. I think it's great. Yeah. Five years ago, you would not have been able to sell me on any world where I would say, great job, Archie Comics. <laughs> Shocked. Yeah, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. My heart went bang, shang, bang, That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up at the THN forums where you can read the heroic story of Joe Patrick giving his life to save his bastard friend, Matt Baum. I wrote it. It's called The Death of Joe Patrick. It's about an alternate future where we're married, but not like a gay way. It's just like a couple of dudes married, you know, totally normal. For tax purposes. And Joe Bay <laughs> for health insurance. And Joe Patrick takes a bullet for me. He's a hero. He's a goddamn hero. All right? Wow. wow. Every Friday, the recently deceased Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in our THN forum which you can find by clicking the link at twittednerd.com. It's easy. We all use the internet. You know how to do it. Joe, we're on the internet right now. We are. What do we ask the listeners this week? This week's question, what fictional character's death affected you the most as a fan? It's a good one. It, originally, I worded it just as comic character's death, but hey, open it in that shit up. Fictional character death impacted you the most. Oh, so this could be any comic. Yeah, man. Video games. Whatever. I'm into it. Cave drawings. Whatever. Uh, sure. All right, cool. I mean, yeah. You can call us and leave a message. There you go. It's been two weeks. You can call us and leave a message with your answer using Skype. Our Skype handle is two-headed nerd, all one word. 
or at our Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894. Remember, keep it under three minutes. You'll get cut off. You can also send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. But again, keep it short. Be polite. Respect your co-answerers. I think that's correct. Yeah. We got, a, we got a long show. We get a lot of calls every week, and we want everybody to get a voice. It's true. Now, remember, the firm one answer per call rule is still in effect. And answer the question. Don't call in and talk about something else. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We will just uh, we just will ignore your call. Like, don't call in and be like, uh, you know, I've never really seen anybody die in a comic book, but uh, I decided to call anyway. <laughs> it's happened. You know who you are. We love you. We'll listen to the call. It's not going to make the show. Let's be honest. If you need more than three minutes, go to the THN forums and write to your heart's content. It is where all of the cool kids hang out. Tons of cool kids there. I was just, I was there today. There were cool kids there. Loose women. Loose Hanging boys. out. A lot of loose morals. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> Watch your back. A little shady there. <laughs> Watch your back and don't lick anything. It's review time on THN where Matt and I have a taco pizza party. It, it was not a taco no, pizza No, just go party. ahead and read to him. Listen, we didn't have a taco pizza. Joe Patrick took a shit on my taco pizza party. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Look, I did not get your message until the order had already been placed. Oh, that's funny. The taco pizza was here in spirit. Mm-hmm. We have a taco pizza party and then smear our greasy fingers all over two of this week's new comics. Matt, what comic did you mess up this week? This week, I decided to mess up Iron Fist, the living weapon number one from Marvel, written and drawn by Kare Andrews. He's your solicit. High above the city in a multi-million dollar penthouse, Danny Rand, a.k.a. Iron Fist, the living weapon, is haunted by the consequences of choosing death over life. A message from Iron Fist's mystical homeland of Kunlun brings Danny back to his blood-soaked origin of betrayal and vengeance. Revenge is a weapon that cuts both ways, so it's bisexual. Will Danny survive <laughs> the bloodletting? A one-of-a-kind kung fu action epic directed by the inimitable Kari Andrews. I almost said intimidating. I'm a huge Iron Fist fan. That is like the entire plot of the comic. I don't even know why you need to read it. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> so now you know everything. I'm a huge Iron Fist fan, and without a doubt, Ed Brubaker and Dwayne Swierzynski's run was... Far and away the best Iron Fist stories ever printed. So, Andrews, an artist, getting his first chance as a writer on his no, own series. It's not. Yes. As a writer on his own series, it is. He's it's written not. some other stuff. He's written... But he's never had his Spider-Man own Spider-Man Rain. That was a limited series. This is a monthly... Big time thing. This isn't a oh, mini. Oh, we're splitting hairs, I see. This isn't a mini. This, this is, is not the first thing. time Kari Andrews has written and drawn a series. He's written and drawn some stuff, but this is his first ongoing monthly gig. Okay. You agree with that? Why not? Up your butt. He has gigantic shoes to fill, was my point. The Danny Rand we get here is not the Danny Rand I remember. I want to say that again. Not nope. the Danny Rand, I remember. He's way past angry to the point of completely and possibly suicidally damaged. And we don't really get a clue as to why. Now, I admit, maybe I missed something. Maybe there's something I don't remember. Maybe something happened in one of the other many Marvel books he's popped up in. But I read Iron Fist pretty religiously. I read New Avengers very religiously, and I don't remember anything happening to Danny to make him this cold and angry. Colder and angrier than I've ever seen the character. But not poorly written. I just need to know how he got to this place. Because it doesn't make a lot of sense right now. Andrew's art is nothing short of amazing. This is career-defining work here. Even the computer background work that looks like a folded-up map or old wrinkle papyrus is really cool. There's an amazing flashback scene of young Danny and his mother and father searching for Kun Lung, and the look of the flashback is just incredible. Well, one of my favorite panels in this book was a scene where a guy fires a flare gun and it causes an avalanche, and it's so very like 1980s Marvel. If you look at it, it reminded me of like a John Byrne type page, probably from like his X-Men or Alpha Flight, where he incorporates the noise of the gun into the art and the noise of the avalanche with everything. 
just a really, really cool panel. I got to go back and say this again. I don't mean to repeat myself, but I've never seen Danny Rand like this. Cold, angry, depressed, totally freaked out. And as long as Kari Andrews explains it to me, I'm fine with it. I've got to say, a first issue of a series really doesn't get much more impressive than this. If you never read Iron Fist, you are in. You're probably heavy into this. My only problem is I have read Iron Fist, and I don't know why he's here. Still giving it a huge buy it. You know, I guess removed from my own experience with Iron Fist, this was a really good first issue. Oh, yeah. I didn't have any problems with it, with its execution. Uh, you know, it's a little heavy-handed, uh, but it's very, you know, it's very dramatic and very kind of action movie noirish. Maybe noir is not the right story, but oh, it's pretty noir. Um, say that. It's very dark. But yeah, I mean, separated from my own knowledge and experience with Iron Fist, yes. However, I I I have to go into it with my baggage intact. Because Iron Fist is a part of the Marvel Universe, and this is contrary to my understanding of the character. I agree. And I don't understand why he's in this position or how he got here. Kari Andrews made some changes to the Iron Fist origin story, or at least that part of the origin story that we see in the flashbacks. That was so well fleshed out not that long ago in an amazing series that everybody loved. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And I, do, I just don't understand. And so what it feels like to me is not a vanity project per se, but like a writer and artist getting the keys to this character and then coming in and making his own mark and not really paying attention to what came before. And if that's what we're going to get, I, I'm not into it. Okay. I don't want a Danny Rand removed from the Iron Fist mythos that we already have. And I'm not talking about being slavishly devoted to continuity because Lord knows Brubaker and Fraction weren't. They made their own continuity as they went as well. Yeah, that's where that's what I was going to say. But we are not that far removed from that amazing book. And right now, this is a Danny Rand that seems almost out of continuity. This almost seems like, you know, a Marvel Knights Iron Fist or an Ultimate Iron Fist. I'm less interested if that's how it's going to continue, but... I agree with that statement. But before you go on, I agree with that statement, but I'm giving, and perhaps I'm giving him too much, but I'm giving Andrews the benefit of the doubt that he's going to explain it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm saying buy it. Because it's very strong. It's a strong, strong first issue. Absolutely. And no one can argue that the art is not gorgeous. Oh, my God. It's just beautiful. And if that is the case, if that's what he's doing, he's not just introducing the character to new readers, but he's trying to shake guys like you and me up who sure. love this character and love a Brubaker did and go, what the? Well, now I got to see where this is going. That's very effective. Sure. I just, my my worry is that it's going to be Kari Andrews. It's the Kari Andrews show guest starring Iron Fist. Oh, okay. I gotcha. It's, it's kind of similar to how I felt about Warren Ellis's Astonishing X-Men. It's Warren Ellis's weird ass crap. Yeah. Also the X-Men are yeah. there. Guest starring the X-Men. However, <laughs> it's completely contrasted against Warren Ellis's take on Moon Knight, which took everything that came before and embraced it and then still did something new. Yeah, that's true. So... I guess I want more of that than than what this seems to be. Now, because of the strength of, of this first issue, I'm giving it a buy it, and I'm willing to give Andrews the benefit of the doubt, but I'm watching him. Oh, fair enough. Drink. Joe Patrick, tell us about Shudder number one from Image Comics. Well, Matt, Shudder number one from Image Comics was written by Joe Keating. It was so natural. Yeah. God, we're good at this. (laughs) Profesh. (laughs) With art by Layla Del Duca and colors by Owen Gianni. Here's your solicit. Brace yourself. Indiana Jones for the 21st century. Marvel Knights Hulk and Glory writer Joe Keating. I like how they're just like, oh, he was in this little book called Marvel Knights Hulk. More importantly, he wrote Glory. (laughs) Teams up with artist extraordinaire Layla Del Duca. For her Image Comics debut in an all-new ongoing series combining the urban fantasy of fables and the globe-spanning adventure of Why, the Last Man. I want you to go, Why, the Last Man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Kate Christopher, once the most famous explorer of an earth far more fantastic than the one we know, is forced to return to the adventurous life she left behind when a family secret threatens to destroy everything she spent her life protecting. Shudder is one of those titles that was announced at the Image Expo a few months ago, and I have to say that it wasn't one of the announcements that I was most excited for. Not that it didn't sound fine, but I am really happy to say that this issue turned out to be a really nice surprise, and now I'm looking forward to more. The first thing I noticed was that this issue is packed with content literally from the front to the back. Other than a letters column and a single-page ad for Copra, Shutter number one is completely devoted to story. There's the lead story, which starts on the inside front cover. Amazing. And then there are two really fun little backup stories after the letters column that I thought were hilarious. You know what? I didn't read the backup stories. You need to read past the letters column, bro. I got the letters column and I stopped. Oh, should have kept going. <laughs> Keating does a great job setting up the world of Shudder in which the Fantastic coexists with the mundane and Kate Christopher's role in it. In fact, he does the job a little too well. I wanted to spend a lot more time with scrappy young Kate going on adventures with her dad, and I'm hoping we get more of that in the future. I love that Kate is bucking against her family's legacy, which shows that having any kind of life forced on you, no matter how amazing it is, can lead to resentment. The art by Layla Del Duca is very solid. Her style has a real Sean Murphy kind of vibe to it. She's got a great sense of pacing and delivers some really nice double page spreads. And Owen Gianni's colors are a great complement to the art. I especially liked the way that the coloring shifted into that old school kind of dotted style during the flashbacks. There were a couple of spots where I kind of lost track of the action. It got a little muddied. But overall, I thought the art was very good. I really loved this issue, and I'm excited for more of Kate's story and to learn more about the world that Keating and Del Duca have created. I'm giving it a buy it. I'm with you here. I think Keating is a really exciting upcoming talent and fantastic art here by Del Duca, by the way. Yeah, it's awesome. Man, like slam dunk art. It was beautiful. Excellent coloring, too. This was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to see more. Huge buy from me, too. Listen up, y'all. I got a little story to tell you. It's about a doctor, Dr. Indiana Jones. So that's a double buy it for both Iron Fist number one and for Shutter number one. We're in a great mood, kids. Of course, we want to know what you deep V-wearing kung fu masters and monster photographers thought of these comics. So take a picture of you focusing your chi and post them. With your opinions over at the This Week's Comics section of the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. Anyone who's seen the Highlander knows there can be only one! So, this week, we invited our favorite immortal Scotsman, Connor McLeod, to help us decide who is the real Quicksilver by pitting Aaron Taylor Johnson and Evan Peters in a steel cage match against the broadsword-wielding Highlander himself <laughs> for a good old-fashioned two Quicksilvers enter, one Quicksilver leaves match. So, grab a beer, kick back, and watch two skinny white boys run at super speed trying to avoid decapitation while we review ten of this week's comics during the, the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Lola XOXO number one from Aspen. Sia Ohm, she told me how to pronounce that hey. on Twitter, very nice lady, writes and illustrates this post-apocalyptic tale of a busty blonde named Lola searching for her parents. Ohm's art is really something special, and she does an excellent job fully fleshing out Lola's world. Beautiful coloring too, beautiful backgrounds, great looking book, but again, Aspen presents us with a heroine that dresses like a hooker in a world where everyone else is fully clothed. Not sure if this is a comic for empowered women and girls who like cheesecake shots or pervy dudes afraid to try real porn, but not a bad story. Skip it. Lumberjanes, number one from Boom. This is the new all-girl adventure book from Boom's Boom Blocks imprint, and I was all set to love it. But I have to admit that it left me a little cold. I love the premise, but something about it just didn't click. And though I love the Kate Beaton-esque art style that Brooke Allen is going for, I think she fell down a bit in the execution. Mm. I don't know. 
maybe I was just in a bad mood, but I'll definitely read more. For now, though, I've got to give it a skim it. Tough love. It's the comic book darling of the week, and I read it and went, Wow. Eh. Mean old Joe Patrick. I know, and I wanted to like it. Okay. Thaniel, number one from... OSSM. Awesome. <laughs> wow, I didn't even put together the awesome, but yeah. This is the story of an inner city Afro-American dude that has decided to fight evil using some kind of darkness power that manifests itself as a dark sight. We don't learn much about Thaniel's origin or his powers, and the script is predictable, but the art by Terry Heddleston was really impressive. He has this cross-hatched black and white style that is very cool to look at. Yeah, I just looked at it. It's really cool again. This is not a bad read, but it is very predictable. And creative criticism, I could use a little more background on the main character before we start getting twists on his life. Giving it a skim it, though. Kind of hard to care about the twist if you don't know anything about the main character. And you could really see the twist coming. Really nice dudes at OSSM or Awesome Comics, though. Thanks for shooting us a message, guys. All New Ultimates, number one from Marvel. This is another book I was excited for that I wish I loved more than I did. Copra's Michael Fifa makes his Marvel debut and does a solid job setting up the new team dynamic. I love that the group doesn't really know what it is. Are they like... Just a group of teens getting together after school special style. Are they crime fighters? You know, they're still trying to figure things out. And sure. it's great. But maybe the title caused me to have unfair expectations. But the relatively low stakes plot just wasn't that gripping. And I did not love the art by Amil Carpina. Wow. That's yeah. Amil Car. I got to write that one down in my, in my baby name book. <laughs> right but. next to Ubaldo. <laughs> <laughs> but. I trust this writer, and I like these characters, so I'm on board for more, giving it a skim it. Okay. More tough love from Joe Patrick. I, I, when I read my first batch of comics this week, I must have been in a foul mood. Apparently. Nightcrawler, number one from Marvel. To this day, Chris Claremont has written some of my favorite X-Men stories, but sadly, it's been a lot of days since he wrote those. Here, we definitely get the old swashbuckling furry elf back, but for some reason... He's using sticks instead of swords. And he jumps right back into a relationship with Amanda Sefton that, as I recall, ended very, very badly. I like Todd Nook's, Todd Nauk's art, but this wasn't his strongest effort. And all in all, this felt like a big step backwards for my favorite X-Man and a solo X title really without a purpose. And I hate the f- Bamps. It's dumb. I don't want to see Nightcrawler running around with a bunch of baby cartoon Nightcrawlers. It adds nothing to the character. Skim it. I almost said leave it. But Todd Knox's art is good, and I love All new dupe number one from Marvel. You love Nightcrawler. I love him. I can't fight it. There's one thing I know about Matt that Matt Baum likes to do. It's Nightcrawler. (laughs) Jesus. Wow. I'm sorry. Peter Milligan returns to the character he created for an appropriately bizarre story about dupes' unrequited love for Kitty Pride. Hey, man, we've all been there. She's hot. Fun. And Jewish. Ow. I care none. I'm just saying, if you're looking for a nice Jewish girl, Kitty Pride. Yeah. Single. Fun, trippy stuff with great art by David LaFuente. I like this a lot. Buy it. Deadpool number 27 from Marvel. Cover artist Scott Koblish sets a world record for the most characters on one cover. But not really. 232 characters and all. Nope. Gathered for the wedding of Wade Wilson. But it's not a world record at all. He did, they didn't really Alex set the world record. Alex Ross blew the hell out of that with like 560 some covers. Yeah, on the Crisis characters uh, on Absolute. His, on his Crisis Absolute edition. Now. It was a bigger cover. Maybe it doesn't count. I don't know. There are all kinds of like weird little... Yeah. Uh, I'm not going into it. Congratulations, guys. Sure. I mean, it's a great cover. Come on. Quit splitting hairs. Give him this. I don't care for the cartoon character that Deadpool has become, but I have to admit, Brian Posehn and Jerry Duggan are doing a great job on this comic book. There's a whole mess of extra stories as well for what the cover calls the most important 27th issue you'll ever read. I love that. Deadpool is just fun, and even a jerk like me has to admit that sometimes fun is all you need. Buy it. It's the world record for the largest number of characters on a cover drawn by a guy named Scott Koblish. Okay, fair enough. Batman Eternal, number one from DC. (laughs) DC's first weekly series of 2014 kicks off with a bang with a story that sees Commissioner Gordon in handcuffs and a future Gotham in flames. Scott Snyder and company set up a fun mystery, albeit one 
that requires some characters to be obviously corrupt or comically inept to work. Great art by Jason Fabok. That's a little stiff at times. I like this. I'm in for now. That guy's a total badass, man. Yeah, it's good. I mean, the characters are behaving in a ridiculous fashion in order for this story to work. Oh. But I'm kind of into it. I'm kind of into it, and I want to see where it goes. I'm okay. going to buy it. Okay, I'm reading it this weekend. Yeah. Superboy number 30 from DC. Artist Aaron Cooter comes on as writer, and Jorge Jimenez Marino takes over on art duties. And God damn, is this guy good. I don't care for the evil Superboy that's replaced Connell, but I get the feeling that Cooter doesn't either, and it's only a matter of time before Con returns or John, new evil guy, changes his tune. We do get a new Guardian and a kinder, gentler Star Labs, both of which I really liked. I have to say, this looks like a great new direction for the Boy of Steel. I can't say enough about Jimenez Marino's art. Just beautiful. Buy this. Wowzers. Yeah. I'm a little shocked. Yeah. Flash Gordon number one from Dynamite. Jeff Parker and Evan Shaner bring us a modern take on Flash Gordon, and they throw us right into the story with the briefest of introductions and no further explanation. Love Evan Shaner. I do, too. I actually found it a little jarring, but the tone is pitch perfect, and the art was wonderful. How many books can Jordi Belair color in one month? All of them. She can't be stopped. Like, for real. I trust this creative team, so this gets a buy it from me, despite a kind of unusual start. Rumble, rumble, that is your ludicrous speed round, and blam, rumble, 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 is the sound of a flare gun triggering an avalanche, as seen in the pages of this week's Iron Fist, the living weapon, number one. It seems that the boys in the THN IT department got a little overzealous this week after Matt sent a rather threatening memo about job security and expectations. Well, Machine Man and Herbie took that memo to heart and wrote a script that uh, could hack into a vulnerability on the Diamond Comics site called CVE-2014-0160, but maybe it's better known now as Heartbleed. Next thing you know, not only do we have all the info we ever wanted on next week's comics, but also a load of passwords for people that still use Yahoo Mail. But who's using that? And John from Burnt Wiener's OkCupid login. A little shocked by his uh, personal information. (laughs) Whoa, who knew? Who knew? Look, all we wanted was previews, and we're sorry, but for legal reasons, we're not accepting any responsibilities. Okay, we can't do that. So, Matt, what are you excited to read next week? Next week, I'm excited for Solar, Man of the Atom, number one from Dynamite, written by Frank Barberi, with art by Joe Bennett. Here's your solicit. This all started with an accident. The same could be said for the show. An all-new corner of the Gold Key universe! Flooded with experimental radiation that grants him unbelievable powers, the brilliant and obsessive Dr. Phil Seleski seeks to unlock the secrets of the universe, begrudgingly becoming a hero along the way. But can a single man be trusted with near limitless abilities? What will this mean to the ones he loves? And... Will his choices lead to utter chaos and destruction? I think Frank Barberi is one of the coolest guys coming up in comics right now. I loved his work on Five Ghosts. We just love, we both just loved his work on Dark Horse Blackout, which was also really cool. Joe Bennett has not been my favorite at times, but I like he, Joe Bennett. He's a talented guy. He's done a ton of work in both Marvel and DC, and when he's on, he is totally on. I'm pretty excited for this one. Sounds good to me, man. Joe Patrick, what do you read next week? Next week, it's got to be Superior Spider-Man number 31 from Marvel Comics, written by Dan Slott, with art by Giuseppe Camoncoli. The Amazing Spider-Brad was furious that we did not address what happened in Superior Spider-Man 30. Look, listen, man. He was furious. He was furious. He was furious. He took us to task on Twitter. Yeah. He said some harsh things. We forgive him. I had my Twitter lawyer write him a cease and desist. You do not want to get between us and Ryan Forrest. No, my Twitter lawyer is somebody else. What? I have, what? A, I have a separate Twitter lawyer. Why would you have a separate Twitter lawyer? He handles. He's a guy on Twitter. He handles all my Twitter needs. <laughs> wow. Here's just a listen. The end of an era. A tale of triumph and tragedy. The Green Goblin unmasked. A hero reborn. But what does this mean for Otto Octavius? 
There's only one man who can save us from the Goblin Nation. Peter Parker! The one true Superior Spider-Man! <laughs> you getting tired over there? That's exhausting. <laughs> I know, right? This is it. The finale of Superior Spider-Man. Listen, spoiler alert, bitches. Peter Parker is back as of last issue. He's crawled his way back into his own mind. Otto Octavius concedes. And only Peter Parker can save us from the Goblin Nation. I mean, come on. I am pumped for this. If you're not reading Superior Spider-Man, you're a jerk. There's no probably behind it. You're just a jerk. I love it. I love it. I've loved every issue. It's I've loved great. this entire crazy ass roller coaster ride, and I cannot wait to see how Slot wraps it all up. I know. Because I know, I know that he's not going to set up Amazing Spider-Man number one without some huge twist. Oh, of course. Of course. I can't wait. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Sex Criminals, Volume 1. This yeah. is written by Matt Fraction with art by Chip Zadarsky. Your solicit, Susie's just a regular gal with an irregular gift. When she has sex, she stops time. Specifically, when she orgasms. One day, she meets John, and it turns out he's got the same damn ability. And sooner or later, they get around to using their gifts to do what we'd all do. Rob a couple of banks. A body and brazen sex comedy for comics begins here. This collects sex criminals, number one through five, and it only costs ten bucks. You do the math, that's like a buck fifty an issue, you guys. I mean, really, that's awesome. Yeah, what's your problem? And it's fantastic. The sex criminals has been a blast. We've loved it here on the show. You will love it too. If you missed out, pick this one up, catch up, and get going. It's like there's a party in your comic book and everybody's coming. <laughs> wow. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to reading next week. So, after you're done changing your passwords, let us know over at the THN forums. We weren't going to do anything with them, seriously. No, it's just, it's just to be safe. Yeah, you know, it was just an accident. Accidents happen. Once a month, DJ and I like to show off our gamma-irradiated brains by answering a question from one lucky listener. It's a little ditty we like to call. Ask a nerd. This week, THN Love Slave and staff writer for the Omaha World Herald, Kevin Coffey, asks... Newspaper dropper. Via email. Why do Marvel heroes keep leaving New York for LA? New York City has always felt integral to Marvel Comics, and it feels weird for New York City to lose those heroes. Daredevil, Punisher, and Hawkeye... He's talking about Kate Bishop now. ...have all left New York for the left coast recently... The X-Men took off for San Francisco a while back, although Wolverine's team reestablished the school in Westchester. So, nerd with two heads, what's up? It's a good question. It's a now, great question. I'm going to answer your question with a question, and everybody hates it when we do that. Why do all the superhero stories have to take place in New York? Oh, no, no, they don't. And I don't think They Kevin's, certainly don't. I don't think that's Kevin saying that they do, but... No, but I get what he's saying. And I will say that there does seem to be a rash of this, especially in the last five years. We saw Moon Knight go to L.A. as well. Moon Knight's always kind of bounced all over. That's true. He's always kind of bounced all over the place. But I like to think it's Marvel realizing, look, for too long, we really have been headquartered almost solely in New York. There's not a lot of stuff that goes on otherwise. I mean, sure, the Scarlet Spider was running around Houston or San Antonio or yeah, Houston, I think. <laughs> but they do need to be more of United States presence. And I find it kind of nice to see these heroes in other places. Like uh, Daredevil in San Francisco is something we never thought we'd see. And it's interesting to see what happens when he gets there and he's hit with a different dynamic and different villains and stuff like that. When it's handled well, it's very cool. Sure. Now, why it's always like, from East Coast to West Coast? I don't know. It's never like Daredevil in Oklahoma City, you know? Yeah, because, like, nothing exciting happens in Oklahoma City. Says you, man. Kevin Durant's going to get the MVP. Hmm. You don't even know what I'm talking about. He's a basketball player. What teams he play for? Oklahoma. The Thunder. Anyway. I didn't know the Thunder was a basketball player. Yes. <laughs> I stopped keeping track when they added the Washington Wizards. Okay. They didn't add them. The, when they got rid of the, uh, the Wizards changed their name. The Seattle Supersonics. The Wizards changed their name from the Bullets. <laughs> I don't I don't know. There was a time, time there was a really high crime rate, so you know. 
Oh, sure. So, you Thanks know, like, a lot, Obama. <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's Marvel saying, hey, we're in a rut in this New York. I think Marvel, more so than any company, has done an amazing job making New York City into its own character. And that's why it's felt like such a living, breathing part of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have a change of scenery, to... To take a familiar person and put them in an unfamiliar place. Right. And like you said, it adds a new dynamic. And as long as they're doing it like Mark Wade in San Francisco where Daredevil goes and doesn't like the buildings are all short and, uh, you know, things are right. his radar's all freaking out or Kate Bishop in, in Hollywood, you know, where it's kind of a two days in the valley kind of weird uh, seedy, right. you know, crime type stuff. When they do it like that, where the the setting is obviously different, and it's not just it's a city. We're just not calling it New York City because mm. we don't want to have a hundred superheroes here. You know, that's when I think it adds something to the story, and I think that's what Marvel is trying to do. Like Punisher, he had a good run in New York, but he's also been kind of a globetrotter, and now he's yeah, his mission takes him where it takes him. And I don't have a problem with that, especially with the Punisher. I like seeing him packing up and heading out. Now I will say. Interestingly enough, this is absolutely not the case in DC Comics. In DC Comics, heroes are, not necessarily for the most part, but a lot of heroes are tied to their city. They're the, tied to their specific city, yeah, the not, Flash, to one spe- right. not to one The city. Flash is the hero of Keystone City. Uh, Batman's in Gotham. Superman is in Metropolis, you know, mm-hmm. and... And they all still hook up, and they do stuff, and they end up in different cities and different places. But it's not at all like the New York of the Marvel Universe, which is arguably the headquarters of the Marvel Universe. There's no yeah, doubt you know, Like about I it. said, it's a living, breathing... It is a character in itself. Yeah, so to answer your question, I think the only reason that you do notice this and wonder about it is because Marvel has made New York a character in Marvel Comics. The Fantastic Four are there. Avengers Tower is there. Spidey's there. Daredevil's there. I hope we answered that question. It wasn't really a question that that had an answer. Yeah, it was yeah. more of a, let's rap about it. It was a little rhetorical. Let's work out our feelings about yeah. it. Well, it wasn't rhetorical. No, it wasn't rhetorical at all. Hypothetical. Sure. Yeah, um, hypothetical. It was hypothetical. Hypothetically speaking. I'll give it to you. Okay. <laughs> Even though I don't think that's, that, that's right either. for the question Kevin and if you have a question for Ask a Nerd you can shoot it to us via email with the subject line Ask a Nerd I mean really how hard is it seriously or you can give us a call at the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 or post it in the Ask a Nerd board on the THN forums got a title for it and everything it's right there so many options and if you're curious as to where to post it it's the one called Ask a Nerd that's what I just said. Pretty goddamn obvious. Absolutely. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that's it for the Joe Hates Taco Pizza episode of THN. If you like ruining pizza parties too, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or tune in. We just got on there recently and it's awesome. We love them. Where? We still need your iTunes star ratings and reviews, your Stitcher thumbs up, and your tune in hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. The pugs got sick of it and just busted in to the I think they just broke down the door and came inside. Thank you to our latest donor, Nick Simon, and his lovely turnstiles. And if you'd like to help keep us in boring old hamburger pizza, look, this hamburger pizza was delicious. It was boring. You can make your donation in any amount using our cheese and grease-covered PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. And as little as $100 a month really does help. Really? Just 100 bucks. We're not asking for much. Like a dollar. A dollar a month is... While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Direct Line. 402-819-4894. Using this heaping combo of resources, you can beg the comic pushers for your reading suggestions. You can defend your indefensible comic tastes in front of the two-headed judge for a defender segment. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, folks, whether it's printed, digital, whatever. We don't care. Just send it to us. And don't forget to sign over the THN forums. This is your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, write about your favorite pizza toppings, or just rap about comics. I like hamburger. 
Loser. Remember to f- <laughs> That's such a loser topic. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers along with your own audio responses, be sure to check out the Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week podcast. If you already subscribe to this show, you do not need to do anything. You've done it. It will appear in your feed every time we publish it. You should have gotten one yesterday. It's true. Next week, the comic pushes are back, slinging Doctor Strange comics. But if you need more THN in your life, get over to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out all of our sweet content. We've got a new segment coming up from the aforementioned Kevin Coffey. Guy's friggin' famous. That's right. Saturday morning cartoons all about the amazing Crash Test Dummies. Tell them what the Kevin Coffey thing's about. It's going to be about Batman Eternal. Like every, every week it's going to be about predicting what happens in the next Batman Eternal and seeing if we're right and trying to see where the story goes. And what's it called? I think it should be called Batman Forever. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, that's, we're still workshopping. No, I like it. Let's give it the fist. It's called no, Batman I, Forever. I give it the fist. There we go. There's also the ever-controversial Ludicrous Speed Reviews by Aaron Myers. And hey... Girl Meatster came back for one glorious week. Yeah. She said she had one we're, almost ready to go. We're saying this very loudly with her in earshot. I'm I'm saying it as loud as I can so that she knows the people miss her. That's all at twoheadedner.com. Our weekly shout out goes to John, Bo, and Weed, who have decided to grow up and get real jobs instead of podcasting. This week marked the 200th and final episode of the Pert Wieners podcast. Word to you nerds, your dick and fart humor will be missed. But not by me, though. And until next time, true believers. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Remember to pre-order your comics. Most notably, Ghost Wolf from Amigo. Number one hits next week. Looks kind of cool. Ghost Wolf? Yeah, man. He's like, Ghost Rider, you're a Native American. Yeah. Okay. Ghost Wolf, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This. Whether you want him to or not. Well, it could be her. Come on. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. This is the. Erin over in Iowa. She's a nice lady running her own comic shop. That's right. You know what? Today's her birthday. Happy birthday. Booyah. Does she even listen anymore? Who knows? I haven't even seen her on Twitter for a while. We'll find out. <laughs> I talk to her all the time. This is the Twitter Nerd signing off. Worst sign off ever. That was rambling mess. We gotta, bro, you gotta get the kinky wizards together and go whoop some ass. It's D and D time. It's D and D night, folks. We don't have time to f around. Initiative. So what I'm saying is goodbye. <laughs>